Uh, last Sunday of this month is going to be the Pentecost Sunday. And so uh, 31st of May, uh, all around the world, uh, we will be celebrating. And so we as the Pentecostal Church and the Pentecostal movement that has come over 100 years for us, it's very significant on how the Lord has poured out his spirit. Jesus was very clear when he said in Luke 24, 49, don't leave the city waiting Jerusalem till you're clothed with power from on high. And we know Christian life is going to be miserable, unaccomplished without the strength, power, presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, every time we look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we always have uh, uh, the book of uh, Joel coming to mind. And so today I'm just going to take uh, the book of Joel as a premise for our, 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 our message and then go down to what the Lord said and then look at some implications for us as a church, as an individual for this season. If you were to get a news like this, now uh, on the screen, if you can read uh, well within the news and just say this kind of, uh, I looked at this and I found that the same tempo on what is being said here, uh, this is close to around 2,800 years ago. Uh, uh, attention elder statements, listen closely, everyone, whoever, wherever you are, have you ever heard of anything like this? Has anything like this ever happened before? When you look at the virus, when you look at the nation shutdown, when you look at the first five months of 2020 like this, cataclysmic events happening, events that we have never heard, make sure that you tell your children, your children tell their children, and their children their children. Don't let this message die out. So there's a sense of urgency from this newspaper. By the way, can anybody guess which which verse is this from? I know, I know it's a very strange one, but this is from the message translation, and this is from Joel 1, verse 1. Joel 1, 1, some close 3,000 years ago, he sounded with urgency as something that never happened in the then-known world. And today, with this virus surrounding, we are all raising our eyebrows, how come, from where, what happened, when it's going to stop. Joel 1, verse 1. Hear this, you elders. Listen to all this in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in our days or in the days of our ancestors? What really happened? I just don't want to go into what the prophet is trying to tell. The prophet is trying to speak about a huge army of locusts. By the way, that army is not of the enemy, but the armies of the Lord. The Lord is moving with a huge destructive power over the world. And, uh, and just, just get down to this verse. And then the, 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 the prophet Joel, and we all have claimed this, we have prayed this in our prayer meetings, we have, we have, we have wept over this, we have dreamt over this, and this is what happens. Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit. Fantastic. But I want to tell you, this is only half of the prophecy that we have, which is close to 3,000 years. And 2,000 years ago, this happened on the day of Pentecost. In a couple of weeks, we're approaching the day of Pentecost. But I want to grab our attention this morning to the second half of the prophecy, which goes like this. Go down. Starts off with this. Observe the progression of the prophecy, and I'm going to highlight. Now, what is the prophet Joel talking about? I've taken two translations to say this. Alas, the day, the day of the Lord. 
Now, we all are waiting for the coming. We all are waiting that God would do something. And all the prophets put what the Lord wanted to do in this one line, the day of the Lord. We are asking, which is the day? When is the day the virus will be deleted? When is the day the lockdown is going to come out or shut down? When can we meet? But can I drag and, 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 and draw the retention to this one line, the day of the Lord? In talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's talking about missions, talking about visions and dreams. The prophet wants the attention to be focused on this one, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Message translation says, what a, what a day, doomsday, God's judgment day has come. The strong God has arrived. This is serious business. I want to tell you, today's message is not coated with sugar. There is no black forest cream. Uh, I, I want to get through to the message of the Lord, like how the prophets preached. And I want to tell you, the gospel is two-sided. If you keep licking the sugar side of it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not real. It'll become too diabetic. It'll kill us. There are two sides to the prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. The two sides which mattered to the prophets and to the apostles. And it matters to us today because this is serious business from God. I've never heard these such heavy words from God himself. We have sung worship songs that have been sweet. We've always echoed the gospel that was sweet. But there are two sides to the sweetness of God. And so let us go down, and I'm going to concentrate on the day of the Lord. It brings judgment. It brings destruction. Sorry to say, it is on the timeline of God. Unless we heed to the whole gospel, we will not have the full salvation. Going down, and just uh, going down to the slides, three times the prophet in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit mentions this. More than the outpouring of the Holy Spirit taking the prime focus and center stage, in the prophet's text, three things, Joel 1.15, Joel 2.1, Joel 2.11. Look at the blue highlights. Alas, the day of the Lord is near. It will bring destruction. No one knew the chemical composition of the virus. No one knew how it moves. We had a lot of speculation, speculative theories here and there, all things going and blaming here and there. We don't know how. Is it from the Lord? We have no answers. We can only speculate and see. But as Christians, we have a message in these moments. Now, let me tell you, in the year when Uzziah died, God chose to show up to Isaiah. Why did God use the funeral of a king to show himself off? God uses some painful moments in political history to make himself present. So we got to watch out the timeline of God. In the year when Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. The earthly throne had the smell of death, but God was reigning supreme. We got to understand the events of the earth are in perfect timeline with what God wants us to do. What God is doing in our planet is in his perfect will and plan. God is not confused with Corona. Let's be assured of that. Christ, Corona cannot confuse Christ. The plan that he has for you, the plan that God wants to accomplish in our life, in our church life, cannot be confused with a virus. we got to know. And secondly, we got to know that God is hurrying up for this day called the day of the Lord. Look at verse 2.1. The day of the Lord is coming. In fact, it's going to be darkness and gloom. Although it's going to be dark on this side of the verse, but there is hope for us. 2.11. 
For the day of the Lord is great and very dreadful. I hope you have meditated on the dread of the Lord as much as the mercy of the Lord. There are two sides to him. As much as he's merciful, he's the God who judges. This is the side of God. Psalmist said, know that the Lord is God in his fullness. Let me go down to the verses here we have. All the prophets, I've just chosen five of them here, all spoke about this day. So this is a theme that is a recurrent theme in the scriptures. Let's not miss out on it. Amos said, what sort of waits if only the day of the Lord were here? And then he speaks about darkness there. While the day of the Lord is near, Jeremiah said, for the day of the Lord is a day of vengeance. The enemies are going to be dealt with. The sword will not devour. Obadiah said, the day of the Lord is near. And then he speaks about God. God's recompense will return upon their own head. Now, Zephaniah spoke about the day of the Lord as day of wrath, trouble, and destruction. God is doing something on the planet. God is doing something in our lives. God is doing something in our church that is an awakening. Don't miss this season. By the way, God chose lockdown days to bring in heavy revival in the scriptures. The letters to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon came because Paul was locked down in the prison. Some of the greatest revelations and theologies and sound doctrine we are reading today and feasting on it is because some great men of God went on to exile with the Lord. John wrote the book of Revelation. He had, he had the greatest, the grandeur revelation of Jesus Christ when he was locked down in Patmos. This day is the first five months, the few, few months, the last two months for us. We've been, we've been helter-skelter, asking so many questions, looking at events, looking at news. But I want to tell you, God is calling our attention. He's catching the attention of us as a church, of us as a family, of us as individuals. And I hope we will wake up to the timeline of God. There is something called the day of God, the day of the Lord that is, that is at hand. And I hope we will not miss to see the fullness of what God wants us to do. Let me go down. I'm trying to knit the two things today. One is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God that we've been praying as a church. We believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe in divine healing. We believe the blind will see, the lame will walk, the dead will rise again. We believe that the gospel has to be preached. We've been praying over region, from Martali there down to Hope Farm, here, put them back here. We are, we are seeking God, that God will just sweep the place with the spirit, many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Having said that, Joel does not miss to say this. Look at these things. Right after the prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God, you have 1920, 21 of Joel. Okay, this is, I made a mistake on the verses here. Oh, this is Acts. Acts 19, 219. I will show wonders in heaven and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Lord, come, is the cry of the church. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But before he could come, there are some cataclysmic events that are happening. Sun, moon, and stars will go haywire. Same thing is prophesied in temple with the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to see these two texts together. And I call the attention of our church to see the gospel in its fullness and get with the rhythm 
of the kingdom. Same thing is mentioned in, in, in Joel again. Same, except for a few changes, it is the same. The prophet echoes the same message. Right after outpouring of the Holy Spirit, your sons and daughters will prophesy. There will be dreams, there will be visions, there will be all that revival. Together with that, I will show wonders in heaven. I hope we will not throw away these scriptures. I hope we will not, we will not do a cherry pick when it comes to the word of God. All scripture, every word is inspired. The Holy Spirit of God is not in want of vocabularies that he piles up some verses like this. No, it is serious business with God. And I'm calling attention to all of us that we will today will have a spark in our spirits that we somewhere ignited to finish what is being started. Let's not, let's not, let's not count these days as something that, that happened to us and that we need to backslide, we need to lose our speed, we need to lose our fervor and passion. No, these are the days to intensify our passion and our work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing is repeated twice. Why is it? Why is it? Is it one of the words that the Spirit of God has to mention the same thing in a span of 800 years? Same thing, 700, 800 years. Same thing comes back again, sun, moon, and stars before the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name will be saved. Two things happening. Salvation is happening. Bread is happening. Going down on the scripture here about sun, moon, and stars. I found that there are 16 verses the Bible mentions about sun, moon, and stars. And God is using these signs of the external, the celestial creatures that he created, or beings that he created. And he's using them to sound an alarm. And here I put down, out of the 16, the four of them here are in the New Testament, especially relating to the words of Jesus Christ. In your screen, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. These are very important for us as we get on to the next passage of what the Lord wants us to do. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, we will go through tribulation. Whoever said it, that we will escape. We don't have an escape theology. Can I remind all of us, the first story chronologically in the Bible is about a man from Ur. His name was Job. The story begins with him and his wife burying 10 children. And losing every property. I've ever known a husband and a wife. The story begins with all of them dying. And you finish one child, second child, third child, ten children. The man and his wife are vexed to the core. And the wife echoes out in pain and confusion. Curse God and die. She did not tell it out of, out of fancy. She told it out of pain. Because we have no answers. The three friends come in. The turmoil begins in. He got questions after questions. For all the questions that he prayed, he gets back 77 questions as his answers. Why? We don't know. God is developing our tenacity, our faith to go through. Look at 2449. Immediately after the tribulation, we will go through trials. We will go through pain. Whoever said that Christian life was a bed of roses, I think you need to rethink your gospel. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials, you will have tribulations. We've got to develop a tenacity of patience when it comes to Christian faith. Sun will be darkened, moon will not give its light, star will begin to fall. Mark chapter 13, 
tribulation of those days. Sun will be dark and moon will not give its light. Luke, sun, moon and stars. On the earth they'll be dismayed, bewildered by the roaring of the sea, surging of the waves. You see, everything is external. Watch out. These are external events. The Lord is sounding. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, I don't think there was much clap offering. I don't think it was a concert-like situation. More than 17 countries that have been named there, they all come together for the, for the, for the day of Pentecost. It's supposed to be a harvest festival, beet, wheat, uh, wheat and barley. The harvest time, it's supposed to be a time of celebration. Everyone is gathered there out of nowhere. Acts chapter 2 verse 20, sun, moon and stars are featured again. You cannot remove these events from the preaching of the gospel. The first message to the church was preached with these signs that were external. You've got to mark these words that the Lord said. So Peter knew he was borrowing from, from, from Joel again. And the Spirit of God was very clear. As much as you're speaking revival, you've got to speak these events. Watch this out. The first gospel that Peter ever preached had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, 19, and as well as the sun, moon, and stars darkened. The day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the day of vengeance, the day when all these things are going to shake the planet. Today, there has been a global shaking. We follow different websites. I follow Worldometer, and I go down to the last to see how many nations have been affected. Every time, it's more than 200. In our lifetime, nothing like this has happened. The seniors can testify. The juniors are bewildered by this. We've never seen a whole nation shut down like this. Something is happening on the globe. Something is moving, and I hope we will not get locked up with the messages of the political leaders. Thank God for all the social scientists, the medical world, but let's not miss what the master has to tell to us. Having this as a backdrop for us, look at what the Lord does. This is the message for today. Look at what the Lord does. After speaking about external events, immediately the master moves to inward focus. The focus of a Christian, of a believer, of a church should not be start taking pictures of the sun, moon, and stars. Start recording all what the social scientists have to say. Look at all the weather report and gather them and make them. No, no, no. The master was very clear. Talking about the sun, moon, and stars, immediately the Lord connects it and changes to inward focus. It's locked down again. Inward focus. Inward focus. And I pray that these days, as, as I don't know when it's going to be the next when we're going to gather physically in the presence of the Lord. I just, I just read, a, read a line which said, don't go to church. Don't go to church. Be the church. <laughs> be the church wherever you are. Let your light shine wherever you are. We are the church. A building, lockdown building cannot close us down. Just because four walls are missing doesn't mean we are not the church. We are the church wherever we are. We are bought with a prize. We are appointed to declare the glories of the master. We've got to rethink, renew our passion and our calling for Jesus Christ. When we see events like this, like coronavirus, COVID-19, new names which we don't know, severe acute, acute respiratory syndrome, all the big names that we have, 
The focus don't get locked up with sun, moon, and stars alone. The scientists look inward, the master says. And so today I've just got three quick passages from the gospel of, uh, according to Matthew. And let's look at what the Lord wants us to look at when sun, moon, and stars. That's what everybody. Sun, moon, and stars, the celestial beings going haywire. That's what everybody. When you see those moments, look more inward than just getting caught outward. Three things about the coming of the Lord. Three things about the day of the Lord. Three things about sun, moon, and stars becoming dim, dull, black, and falling away. The Lord says, expect suddenly moments. What do you mean by suddenly? Suddenly means you have no control over time. You don't know the time, the day, the hour, the minute, the second. He knows it. The kingdom of God moves with the suddenly impetus. You don't know when things are going to happen. We've got to be prepared. Suddenly, the, the, the church was born in a prayer meeting and the word used in Acts chapter 2 is suddenly there was a violent wind. You don't know. You have no control. You keep waiting. We cannot dictate God. The relationship that we share with the master is the relationship of dependency. We are dependent on him for every breath. We are so fragile beings. Like grass we grow up. At the end of the day, we fade away. We are, we are hoping for his return suddenly. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. As they were praying, Paul and Silas, they had the suddenly moments. Dear Church of the Living God, let's keep doing what we are called to do, for suddenly things will change. We've got to be prepared. We cannot fade away from our vision. We are called to focus on the Master. Now, just to highlight this point, I just chose Matthew chapter 24, 36 to 39. I hope you all can see. Oh, yeah. I'll just put it down here one second. Thank you. No one knows the day or the hour, or even the angels, not the son of son, but only the father. No one knows. So, so what should we do? Lord, when the sun, moon, and stars, when this is going to happen, what's your time? No one knows. But look at what the Lord says. Just a little bit on, on, on uh, 37 to 39, quickly. As it was in the days of Noah. So the Lord gives us a compare and contrast. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Very interesting what the Lord says here. For in the days before the flood, people were... Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Now watch this. The Lord does not highlight the sin there. There's no rebellion. There's no corruption. There is no Genesis 6, 5, 8, 21, which says the world was corrupt. Every inclination of the thought of man was corrupt. It's not mentioned here by the Lord. It is the mundane things. I hope you observe the ING there. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, getting on to the merry-go-round of the world. It's just the, the mundane affairs of the world that they lost the timing. They lost the timing. 
they knew nothing about what would happen. He was preaching for 120 years, but they couldn't catch the heartbeat of God. May I gently tell everybody who's listening today, don't miss what God has for you. I'm reminded 1 Peter 1.13, make every effort to make your calling and election sure. Can I say something? We all have a calling. We are making our election sure. I'm saved, I'm going to go to heaven. My family's saved, my children. Can I tell you something? Don't miss out on the calling. God does not make dummies in the kingdom. The dream of God is not that you'll be sucked up into a software company, getting your salaries. Now we are praying for salaries. We're looking for job situations. I want to tell you there's much higher calling over your life. I'm not, called, I'm not here talking about full-time ministry. The place where you are is ministry. You see, we as pastors, they chase us out at the gate. One day, a couple of young people called me to come and do a meeting at EGL, Embassy Golf uh, Course, EGL. Golf League, I don't know what is that. And uh, that's all, all the huge software companies. I don't know how many are there inside. And at the gate, they stop me. If I say I'm a pastor, I love me more. The watchman does not know what a pastor is. You can get in, I can't get in. You have the badge, you have the ID, you can say whatever you want. So at the gate, I need to wait till somebody comes and escort me inside just to share the gospel. God has placed you as a witness. Did you know that Paul was not a full-time preacher? He had to work. Where you are is your calling. Don't miss out. Don't say, let, let pastor do, let that person do. Who, who said that? No. God has chosen you, given you a breakthrough in the city of Bangalore. You are right now here. God has brought you at such a time as this. Make sure that you are not here only for these INGs. Where are the restaurants going to open? Where can I have a drink? Where is my marriage? What is my this? What is my that? Those are the mundane things. It's the mundane things that messed up the then known world. And they missed the plan of God. For 120 years, God was choosing somebody to follow the plans of the kingdom. Are you there? Suddenly things will change. There's one thing that none of us should have when the day of the Lord arrives is that word regret. 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 I wish I did something. I wish I, 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 I served the Lord. I wish I did something for the sake of the kingdom. And all that we pray for is eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. If all that we hear in the church is, I got a job, I got a promotion, I got a house, I got married, I got a child, I got my finances, all my financial constraints lifted up. If all that is the gospel, then Jesus is only making people rich. We need the gospel which says Christ and him crucified. That is the wisdom of God. We need to preach the real word to our folks. They knew nothing, verse 39, that would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Before the flood would come, before the sun, moon, and stars will fade away, we got to do something before the suddenly moments would invade us, will you give your life totally to the Lord? Will you be awakened to the calling that is at hand? Will you be awakened to what the master wants you to do? Suddenly things will change. 
While going, I think the date was Jan 16th. We were leaving to Sydney. Me and my pastor friend, Pastor Robert, we got down at Hong Kong. We found people wearing masks. We thought we are Indians. We don't need that. There's something called temperature check, which I never knew was there in Hong Kong airport. They simply were firing the gun. At that time, I remember calling Pastor Abraham and asking him to pray over. And we were hurrying. We finished. We got down. We finished our ministry for a month in, in, in Sydney and other regions. We came back to Hong Kong. Suddenly, we saw a fleet of Cathay Pacific Airways just lying down there. 30, 40 flights, airplanes. It was deserted. Nobody was there. Around 100 shops were locked, locked in Hong Kong. At that time in India, there were only three cases. We were wondering what's happening. We took a, we took a city train. We just went to see the city. I mean, you know, one of the dynamic cities in the world is Hong Kong again. A lot of people wearing masks. We were wondering why mask? Why mask? Why mask? Coronavirus had just come out there and slowly the whole airport was empty. 17 flights were canceled. The flight to Chennai was canceled. Bangalore, they were accepting and they said, these are the precautions if you come to Bangalore. And now that was, we arrived February 20th. Now look at how the scene has changed. Suddenly things are over. Our ministry is, is over. We were scheduled to travel, that is gone. Some of you, your travel plans. Yesterday, Asha and Naveen, they want to go to the moon and have honeymoon. No aeroplane was ready. And then they went to the roof of the house, they burned some candles and they remembered the Lord. Everything changes. Suddenly, look at that. Before the flood, you had an opportunity. You had an opportunity. And I'm, I'm coming with a sense of urgency. What if tomorrow is the last day? That's how we live. It's not, it's not, it's not the days of the Lord. It's the day. 24 hours. It's gone. Everything is over. Everything is over for them. Eating, drinking, marrying, marrying, everything is over. They knew nothing would happen. At least we know what would happen. Because we know what would happen, will you change your agenda? Will you change your passion? Will you make some changes, a lifetime change to serve the Lord now and forever? That's the passion we need for the gospel. We've heard many messages. We've logged on to many websites. We've listened, listened, listened. Look at what the Lord said. The one who is wise, I'm going to come to that. The one who is wise is the one who's willing to do what I say. And this leads me to the second point, which is to live like a servant. I will always be the head and not the tail. There's, sometimes I, I think there's a problem with that with the New Testament Christian. I'm the boss, everybody's a slave. That's, what, that's not what the Lord taught us. The way up in Christian life is to weigh, to, 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 to trace our path to go down. Those who learn to go down are the ones whom the Lord will lift. It's very strange to know the characteristic of the Holy Spirit, I mean the triune God. God so loved the world. We all know the second line. God so loved the world. If God were the boss, God so loved the world that he came down, he told his son, you be in heaven, I will go, I'm the boss. You see, I'm the author of salvation. I will go, I will get the work done. You're, you're just a son, you know, you just, you just be there. God so loved the world that he said, no, my son, I'll best 
everything in you. You go accomplish salvation and come. Jesus waited 30 years, ministered three and a half years. Right then and there, when he reached the peak of his ministry, defeating death, hell, and the grave, he says, it's better that I go away. I need to submit to the Father. I will ask the Father and he will send you the Holy Spirit. Look at, look at the spirit of submission in the, tri in, the, in the Trinity. That's when we can accomplish. That's when we can carry out the task of the kingdom. There are two spirits that are at work. Either we, the greatest power is the spirit of submission. The arrogant power works with the spirit of rebellion. And as much as we hear the word of the Lord, those who surrender and submit to him are the ones who will accomplish the task of the kingdom. It's not about cheering alone. It's about those who are willing to submit. Yes, Lord, I'm at your service. It is the servant attitude that will propel us to finish the master's business. The Holy Spirit of God, I think in John chapter 16, he says, I do not speak anything of my own. What I hear from the Lord, I speak. That's what Jesus said. He will take from me what is mine and make it known to you. When you have the Holy Spirit of God, you're not arrogant. Anointing is not, I do whatever I want. No, anointing is not arrogance. Anointing calls for a deep submission to the master. And if we are anointed, if you're praying for the Holy Spirit of God, if you're telling I'm a man or woman of the Holy Ghost, and I'm waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, let there be an exhibition, a deep exhibition of the spirit of submission in our life. Look at what Jesus said when he's talking about sun, moon, and stars. Immediately he goes to the inward attitude. Not just caught up with the external events. Look at this. We are still in Matthew 24. We come to the second passage. Who then is faithful and wise servant? Oh my. The Lord calls the attention to all the believers to say, we need to have the attitude of a servant. He doesn't say who then is a faithful and wise master. No. He just goes on to that parable to say, calling us as servants. Now watch this very carefully. Who then is faithful and wise servant? In, inward attitude. When you see all this happening on the external, are we faithful? Are we wise? Jesus talked about wise in Luke chapter 6 verse 46. He says, let me show you the one who is wise. And he talks about building. Anyone who comes to me, one, hears my word, two, puts them into practice. I find, I think you'll agree with me, those who are coming to the Lord are many, those who are hearing the word are many, but those who are doing it, I find it very few. May the Lord convict me and convict us to finish what he has started in us. It's easy to come to him, it's easy to hear, but the challenge these days is to do what the master has said. Look at, look at the paradox of this, this whole, whole, whole passage, what the Lord said. Who then is wise and faithful servant whom the master puts in charge of the servants? A servant taking care of the servant. That is our job. Let our egos be broken. Let our pride be broken. Let all our credentials come down like dust. Let us learn to listen to the master. We have our prayer requests. We have our agendas. I pray that even as, I mean, nobody, Quran is not asking any country's permission. It's not bothered about any class, any creed. 
is just moving and bringing things to a halt. How much more we need to follow the master's agenda? Whom the master's put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Watch this. Simple job. Be faithful in what you're asked to do. There is a proper time. You're supposed to give their food, not your food, by the way. You give their food at the proper time. Follow the timing. You need to give attention to the time, attention to the task. Don't miss it. No, I, I, rather than dwelling on that verse 45, I just want to crisp it in 46. It will be good for, the, for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Let me hurry up to this point. The master, this is, this is from a hymn. You know what the master wants us to do when he comes back? When the Lord Jesus comes right now, you know what, what's the desire of Jesus in all our life? The desire of Jesus is that colored line. God longs to gain those who understand his will, know his disposition, and worship him. Such a group of people, they are his confidants. Such a group of people can bear testimony to him, to him, to him. God is seeking for a tribe who will do his will. Inward, are you sold out to do his will? Jesus waited 30 years, but in John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I don't do anything on my own account. I do only what I see my father doing. I hear what he tells me. I do what he tells me. Many will come to me that day. We did this. We did that. It is true. It is true they did that. It is true there were signs, wonders, and miracles. There was prophecy, healing, and demon driving. But Jesus just, just waves his hand and says, I don't know you. Why? Because you did not do my will. Jesus said, John chapter 6, verse 38, I think, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I'm asking every family here, every individual. Have you known his will? And are we doing his will? Now, it is, it is only half the statement because when the Lord goes there, forty-eight. but suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is Staying a long time. Uh -huh. That's what is happening now. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. You look at that eat and drink, mundane things. It's not, it's not big, big, you know, you're violent and go and do a bomb blast and conduct some criminal activity. No. The master of the servant will come on the day, on the day, on the day, on the day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, hour, 60 minutes, He's not aware. What did he do? Just beat the servant. Did not do the master's will. Verse 51. It is serious business with God. He will cut him to pieces, assign him to the place with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can I tell you, oh dear Christian, when we don't do the will of the master, there is another place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's awaken ourselves to what the master wants. Let's not get lost in eating, drinking, and the mundane affairs of the world. Have you known his will? We have only one life. 
We have only one life. Some of us have, have only had the show. Some of us are in the middle of the show. Some of us have just begun the journey. Let me tell you, there's only one life to do the will of the master. When the master arrives, when the sun is darkened, when the moon does not give light, when the star begins to fall, when the signs of the son of man appear, when he comes to see you, may he find us doing his will. I hope when he comes, we are not praying for a five-bedroom apartment. I hope when he comes, we are not praying for an expansion of a property. I hope when he comes, we are not praying for our own silly things. When the master comes, I hope we are busy doing the master's business. And I'm calling attention. We have only one life. What if things change? Every day, Sunita and myself, we just go through the list of people who are dying. It's very pathetic. In just one country, US is 1,500 every day. Every day, Russia is picking up. Italy again is kind of, kind of again picking up the pace. India, we know what's happening. Almost 3,000 cases every day. Death, death, death. Every time we're scared of death. We don't know when our time will come. Paul said, I'm just being poured like a drink offering. One of these days, all of us, we have to be poured like a drink offering before the master. But when the master comes right now, will he find you and I doing his will? Have you ever taken time to find out God's will for your life. They say in leadership, we keep climbing the ladders. I hope we don't climb the ladder and reach the top and find out that we climbed the wrong ladder. Why did God bless you? Why did God give you a meal? Why did God give you a breath to breathe? Why did God bless you with your wife, your child, your spouse, a house, some money? What is the prime purpose that God chose you? Has it not been to do his will? Let me ask you an old school question. For how many people have we shared the gospel? How many people by the virtue of what God has done in my life, in our life, have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Quadruple all the statistics of Christians in the country. We are still far away. What about the fire, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our own days, in our own lives? Is it only that we read history textbooks, Christian documents, circulate messages after messages, testimonies after testimonies on WhatsApp that happen and blow whistles and club offering and never seen that in our days? When is the time our children and we ourselves are sold out for the mission of the master? That's what he wants us to do. Jesus moves from cataclysmic events to internal attitude of being a servant and telling, yes, Lord, I serve you. Have we, have, we, have, we, have we fattened ourselves with the food and fodder of this world? All our prayers about eat, drink, and make merry. Jesus goes on to say three times in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. The Father knows every tiny tick that goes. Seek first the kingdom. I hope that we are awakened in our spirits today for the sake of the Master. The last point, whenever you see these cataclysmic events, it talks about separation. I want to tell you it is scary, but the Lord will draw the line. He talks about internal attitude. The Lord just begins to go about wise servants and uh, virgins and foolish boys. There's, there's, a, there's a dichotomy. 
We need to continuously ask the Lord what he's doing in our life. We need to know whether we are on the fence. Are you wise? Or are we foolish? Are we selfish like the goat? Selfless like the sheep? One thing about wise and foolish virgins. The foolish virgins were more worried about the container than the contents. The wise, the only distinguishing feature with the wise virgins were they were concentrated on the contents. They wanted extra oil. I hope we are not building our lives just to decorate the exterior. I hope Christian life is not about just decorating the container. I got this on the outside. It's about the inner life. It's about the inner life. One of the most scariest verses in the New Testament, I mean, I just stumbled upon it. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. On the day when the Lord is going to be revealed, we're going to stand before him and he's going to expose my intentions, the secrets of my hearts, my motives are going to be exposed and displayed to the whole world. It's about inner life. As much as we're seeing external events, I pray that there'll be a deep inward awakening. There is going to be a separation between the sheep and the goats. The verse goes on to say, all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the ones, one from the other. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. You all know the news. The train arrived from New Delhi to the city of Bangalore. People got down. They wanted to separate everybody and quarantine. We got used to this word, quarantine. Those who have the virus, quarantine. Separate. Those who don't have, after 14 days, you're gone. Separation. We're scared of that. What if I contract this virus? And I tell you something, this separation is serious and it, 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 it determines your eternity. There is a line that the Lord will draw. Sheep and goat, they were there together. They were not aware. Those who do the works of the kingdom, he will welcome in. And others are banished. Hell is a reality. No matter how much you speak, no matter how much we douse it, no matter what fire engines you use and bring in all kind of wind and wave of doctrine, Jesus spoke more about hell. He, in fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, even if you say to your brother, you fool, you're in danger of going to hell. He talked about lust and he talked about masturbation. He talks about adultery and he said, that is in danger of going to hell. Have you lost this message of, 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 of hell, the reality of hell in the message of Jesus Christ? He's not a God just with reckless love. His love demands everything. And look at the verse there down. As I close, I felt to bring this passage than the sheep and goats passage. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Or what harmony between Christ and Belial? Can you see the dichotomy there? What does a believer have in common with unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? A series of questions. For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore... Be separate 
but we see these signs on the outside. Let there be an inward change and a, and a propelling to separation. The word holy comes from this Greek word hagios. Hagios means separated for sacred use. Church of the living God, we are separated from the world. There is no way we can mingle with the world. There is a demand of holiness upon us. We are called the holy church. We pronounce holy matrimony. We partake in holy communion. God is not love, 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 peace, 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 joy, joy, joy. There is no exclusivity of that, that uh, uh, trilogy there. When it comes to the holiness of God, God is thrice holy. And anything that is unholy, he abhors. It took the blood of Jesus to wipe away the sin. For God, sin matters. Look at what the Lord says. Therefore, come out of them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you. I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters of the Almighty. Yes, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit calls for separation. The cataclysmic events calls for separation. The coming of the Lord calls for separation. He will send the angels to the four corners of the earth and gather them, separate them, those who are his or his. Since we have these promises, dear friends, verse 7, let me, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. I want to challenge the church this morning. With this lockdown, an unhealthy media interest has been created. Things of the dark is going full throttle. Watch out for things that contaminate your spirit. Spirit. Once your spirit is punctured, you lose the passion. Today we are asking the question, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? We forgot to ask the question, what's right? Have we learned to dissect between Belial and Christ? Have you learned to dissect between darkness and light? The Lord is going to come and there's going to be that separation. Those that are of the Lord will be taken. Others will be banished to hell. That's the reality. That's we've got to preach that. Perfecting holiness. Let me tell you this. Anyone who has seen the holiness of God, sin will look horrific. I repeat, anyone who has seen the holiness of God, sin will be horrific. You cannot watch that is ugly. You cannot speak that is vulgar. You cannot engage in all the nonsense and the barrage of, of, of messages and videos that come. Moses came down after 40 days of lockdown with God. He looked at the people of Israel running wild. He burned with the holiness of God and crushed the Ten Commandments, powdered them. Burned with the holiness of God and killed 3,000 there. I'm burning with the holiness of God, a passion for holiness. It's an inward change and it's inward revival that matters today when the Lord is coming in to put everything together. Let me close with what the prophet Joel had to say. He says this. 
rend your heart i want us to observe three eyes as we close this morning rend return he will relent rend your heart these are the days we need to look more inward than just calculate the outward I pray there'll be deep repentance on the day of Pentecost when he preached the message. People said we were cut to the heart. Rend your heart before these cataclysmic events come in, and we keep calculating that is happening, this is happening. It's time that we look deep inside more these days than look outside. Rend your heart. Return to the Lord. Rend your heart. Come back to His purposes. Delight in His will. Get to know that if we miss it, we are weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to happen. Return to the Lord. He is gracious. He is compassionate. And I was going to that word relent. The word relent means melt. <laughs> it comes from the Latin word melt. Relent means melt. You know that God's heart can be melted. God will relent. and not send calamity as much as the sun moon and stars are melting before those things happen i pray that we have another season with us to to rend our heart to return to the lord to melt our hearts before him before he can turn to us and leave a blessing the day of the lord is at hand dear friend I hope we will change our agendas. I hope we will throw away things that are mundane. I hope we will have we will wash our eyes with holy water. I hope we will focus inward so that there'll be an outward impact. Shall we all close our eyes this morning? Wherever you are. Take a moment, leave your Bibles, leave your pens aside. Let's go in reverence and longing. one of these days the trumpet will sound the suddenly will happen the corona came in suddenly nobody knew it the whole world was unprepared any of these days the suddenly is going to happen will the master find us doing our own business praying for our own silly requests He said he will take care of our life. There are two sparrows sold for a penny. Even if one falls, who's mindful of a sparrow falling? But he's mindful. If he's mindful of a sparrow falling, is he not mindful of you? God takes care of you. God is mindful of you. But he wants us to be mindful of his will. Will you surrender yourself to his will? Will you separate yourself to be holy unto the Lord?